Let's pray over the word, and I want to jump into today's message. And uh, so we want to just ready our hearts for what God has for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is powerful, your word is alive, your word is a sharp two-edged sword, your word builds and edifies, and we just welcome now the living word to touch our own hearts, to strengthen us, and to be life to us in Jesus' name. And everybody watching said amen. Amen, amen, amen. I want to talk to you about the muscle of faith. The muscle of faith is meant for endurance. And I, I want to just remind you of that and, and uh, declare you strengthened today as we focus and think on this. The muscle of faith is really meant for endurance. Uh, yesterday we were working out in the yard, and I don't know if you've ever pulled a muscle. Have you ever pulled a muscle? Uh, we were working out in the yard, and we were... I was out back, actually, and all at once I got a phone call on my phone, and, and I hear all this rabbling going on uh, on the other end of the phone, and it's Austin and Sterling or somebody out in the driveway, and, and so they're like, you got to come out here, you got to come out here. I'm like, okay, so where are you at? Well, we're out in the driveway, so they were around the front of the house, so I go out there, and, and there was a friend, there was an acquaintance uh, in the driveway. Uh, and they had been coming through, you know, the neighborhood, and they were just stopping to say hi, and they hadn't stopped at the new house yet, uh, but he had a crutch. And so, you know, of course, anybody, he's probably got to explain this a thousand times, but, uh, but you know, we ask him, what are you doing with the crutch? What's up with the crutch? What's going on? And so he's explaining how he tore a muscle that uh, they were getting ready to, they were trying, attempting to load uh, a scissor lift into a trailer. And uh, I don't know if it was motorized or whatever it was, but, you know, they're pushing it in, or actually it sounded like it was trying to go in of its own effort, of its own strength. And then uh, it wasn't going. I don't know if the angle was too steep. So he said, I just got behind it, and I thought, well, I'll just throw my weight into it. I'll just push it. And uh, he gave it a big push and snap, boing, all at once, uh, that muscle just popped. So I don't know if you've, uh, you've ever experienced anything like that, but, but I think many of us have, many of us have. Uh, I'll get geared up for the gym, and, and uh, uh, this has happened to me so many times. You know, I have these uh, lapses of gym activity, these lapses of, of the use of muscle. And so then I'll get myself all psyched up. I'm going to go to the gym. I'll join some gym. I'll join some club. And then uh, I'll go in and I will have, I will have uh, what I'm calling today burst of strength power. Have you ever had burst of strength power? I'll have, I'll have burst of strength power. You know, I'll go into the gym. This has happened to me several times. And uh, uh, I get on the bench press or, you know, I get the arm curls or I do the military press or, I'm do, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and it's like, wow, I am so strong. My word, this is amazing. I have a burst of strength power, but the next day I'm done. 
You know, I've torn this, I've torn that, I've stretched this, stretched that. I, I, I can't move these muscles. It's like I'm, what in the world? I can't hardly move. I had a burst of strength, but I didn't have enduring strength. I didn't have steadfast strength uh, for the long haul. I didn't have persevering strength for the long haul. And, and I think that this can happen to us in our walk with the Lord. And, and I want to encourage you even now that, that this is a moment for you to press into enduring faith. This is a moment for you to press into, and I, I, like, to, I like to liken our muscles to faith. I think faith is like a muscle, right? Faith is like a muscle. And, and like muscles can be developed, muscles can be built, uh, muscles need nutrition, uh, muscles can get stronger, muscles can learn endurance. This is what I've learned. I've learned if I go into the gym and act like I'm really weak, and when I get in there, I just pray that nobody's watching. And I, I, this is what I do. And I go over and I grab the 10-pounders, and I'm like, you know, 10 pounds, and it's embarrassing. And if people see me, I'm like, pull the hat down further, right? You got to pull the hat down further. Hopefully nobody from New Horizon will be in the gym. And then, and then, and that's what you have to do. And then you get down on the bench press, and, and, and you're working the bench press with like a whopping 30 pounds or something, you know. And it's just absolutely embarrassing. But if you do that, if you do that constantly, if you do that frequently, then you don't tear those muscles. You're not looking for a burst of strength. What you're looking for is enduring strength. You're looking for strength that could get you through real resistance. You're looking for strength that could get you through a real situation of pressure, uh, of press. You're, you're looking for strength that can go the long haul and that, that isn't going to tear out, right? And so you kind of build up and you build up, but it's through constancy. It's through engagement. It's through staying involved that you do this. And, and, and this, this is much like uh, faith. The, the, the Bible shows us that the parallel of faith is so similar that our faith can grow. Our faith is meant to be used. Our, our faith is meant to resist evil. Uh, our faith allows us to move mountains. As it is with a muscle, so it is with our faith. Our faith is, is meant to connect us, to connect us. Uh, a muscle connects uh, so that we can have the, the power to move things. And this is very much what God would have us to be developing right now and fixing our heart and our thoughts and our mind on right now is that we want to have steadfast, persevering faith, not only for our situation, but to be those who are the glory carriers in the earth. I was thinking about Peter. Actually, one of the translations about Peter walking on water is actually it infers that he had a short burst of faith. See, this, this is what the commentary was uh, when Jesus saw and spoke and, and, and Peter makes his way to the boat. And he says, if that's you, Lord, bid me come. If, if that's you, bid me come. And he says, it's me, come. And he begins to go uh, out on 
on the water. You know, what would have happened if Jesus would have only been 15 feet away instead of 30, right? We don't know that distance, but whatever the distance was, there was an endurance needed, and the endurance that was needed was that he keep his eyes on Jesus and that he keep his heart attuned to the word come. That's what was needed to sustain the endurance for that 30 foot or 40 foot, whatever that was, from the boat to Jesus. He had to fix his eyes, but instead it says that he began to saw, he began to look and see the waves and the wind. He began to see the turbulent storm. He began to take his eyes off of Jesus. He began to take his heart off of the calm, the bidding of Jesus, and he began to look and he could listen. And as he looked, and listened, and he saw the tumultuous storm, then it says that he began to sink. And Jesus says, it's because you had a burst of faith. You had a burst of faith. You needed enduring faith. Enduring faith is faith that carries you all the way through the storm, all the way to your destination, all the way to the bidding of come, all the way, and your eyes are fixed on Jesus. Your eyes are fixed on Jesus. Your heart is attuned to his word. Now, I'm giving away the sermon before we ever get to it, but, but this could be why James wrote in James, chapter 1, consider it joy, and I, I, I know this is a tough one, uh, this is a tough one, consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter trials, various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, uh, I, I, I want to just relate this to muscle just for a moment, just think about it with regard to muscle. Um, you go in and you have a burst of muscular exhibition and you blow out uh, something, you pop something in your shoulder, you harm something in your elbow or in your bicep. Uh, do you consider that pure joy? No. That is sure discouragement. That is like, what in the world have I just done? Uh, not only am I embarrassed, but I'm going to uh, hightail it to the orthopedic office immediately and find out what I have done to myself. But when you build up your faith and you're strengthened in your most holy faith and you're, and you're constantly lifting, you're constantly resisting, you're constantly abiding, you're constantly in tune, you're holding on to the word of God, you, you've got your eyes on Jesus and then trials come, you're like, I can do this. Whoa! And not only can you do it for a day, not only can you do it for one lift, one repetition, not only can you do it for one set, well, not only can you do it, but you can do it the next day, and you can do it the next day, and you can do it the next day, and you, you wake up on day five, and you're still, and you're still strong, and, and something else hits you, and something else comes your way, and something else, and, and, and another wave comes by, and another storm blows up, and another this and that, but you've got your eyes on Jesus. You've got your heart fixed on him bidding you. He has bid you. He has bid you. And so, and so that trial comes, and you know what? Because you've been, you've been in the gym. You've been in the, the gym with Jesus. You've been in the spiritual gym. This is where you can consider it all joy. It's not, it's not when you blow out and blow up. 
And you're like, oh boy, I don't even know if I know one promise from God. I, I just, and I just blew out every fruit of the Spirit. What was that? What, what just came out of me? That's not when pure joy comes. Pure joy comes is when you encounter a trial and it's testing your faith. And your faith proves to be gold. And you see that it's developing endurance in you. It's developing perseverance in you. The ability to push through this thing. The ability to make it through the other side. And that's God's heart for you. That's God's will for you. That's what God's doing right now. In the midst of this current situation, he's saying, watch them shine. Watch them shine. Oh my goodness, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Job. Remember, remember Satan appears before Job and, uh, and he says, uh, what have you been doing? And he says, oh, I'm just roaming around the earth looking for somebody else to bug. And Father says, if you considered my servant Job, what if, what, and I don't know that that's, that, you know, don't go there. That's not what's up. But, but what if, what if you would just realize that that that's how much confidence Father has in his bride right now. That's how much confidence Father has in you right now. That he is so ready for you to shine. He is so enabled you to endure. He is so near to you in your situation. I was thinking uh, coming into the weekend that, that actually, you know, those of us, especially in North America, my word, our trials are so small. Our trials are so small. You know, this is not the time for parking lot faith, uh, but you can have it. This is not the time for closer to the cash register faith, but you can have that too. Uh, last Saturday, I got called up by my lovely bride, and she said, uh, could you come down to Winco? I said, well, I'm barely rousting out of bed, my love. And she said, well, I'm down at Winco, and uh, I need you to come take over because I have to go in and do this appointment at the church. And I'm like, well, what do you mean you need me to take over? And she's like, well, I'm about 500 feet from the cash register. And uh, so I went down there, and and it took me an hour, hour and a half to get through the line and to check out of that store. And, and we can pray for parking spots and we can pray for uh, parking lot victories and shopping cart victories and we can pray for shorter lines and we can pray for all kinds of blessings like that. But I'm telling you that we need bigger faith right now, that we need more enduring faith right now. And what I mean by that is, is that uh, is your faith shaken? Uh, is your faith shaken if you have to push a little bit, if you have to use it a little bit, if you have to exert a little spiritual pressure, is your faith shaken? See, this is what enduring is all about. And most of the Bible was not written in the kind of glorious times that we've been experiencing here in North America. Most of the Bible was written during a famine. Most of the Bible was written during war, during pestilence, during plague, during trouble. And the people of God had to believe that God would be superior, that God would get them through, that, that God would deliver them. And it, would, and it might take more than a moment. And they weren't, they weren't going to wake up the next morning or they weren't, you know, weren't going to, oh, oh my word, I had to park you know, 300 feet from the grocery store. Is there even a God that loves me? 
I prayed for a close parking spot. Jesus, I prayed. I declared a, a close spot would be opened up for me. Jesus, do you, do you even care about me? Do you even care? I had to walk 300 feet this morning. Oh, no. Brother and sister of God. Most of the Bible was written when it took more than a minute for God to rescue. More than a minute for God to bring a breakthrough. More than, more, you know, more than, more than, more than 30 minutes. Right? And the Bible was written during so many situations where, where God was, was calling a set-apart people and he was, he was interacting with a set-apart people. He was developing a set-apart people that they would learn to walk by faith, that they would learn to walk according to his word, that he would and that he might deliver them, that he might show them favor, that he might show them glory. And they continued to believe. Saints, they continued to believe until they saw the breakthrough, until they saw the kingdom come, until they saw the word of the Lord fulfilled. I was thinking of one out of Genesis 26. Genesis 26. This is Isaac. Now, there was a famine in the land. Besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. We're talking about two famines all at once. All at once we're talking about two famines. I'm on verse 1 of chapter 26. Verse 1 of chapter 26. Here talking about Isaac. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Don't, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to stay. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and bless you for you and your descendants. I will give all these lands and confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commandments, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. What's God saying right now? What's God saying right now? What's he going to be telling you to do? Where is he going to be telling you to associate? It made sense to Isaac to go down to Egypt. It seemed right for Isaac to go down to Egypt. It seemed like everybody was going down to Egypt. It seemed like what he should do was going down to Egypt. There was a famine in the land. He's facing something. And it's not Isaac alone. It's his whole family. He's got a whole passel of people that he is caring for, that he is the Lord of, that he is the set man over, and there, there's a famine in the land. But God has instruction for him, stay in this land. Stay in this land at Gerar. Stay there. And so verse 12, then Isaac planted crops. He got a word from the Lord in the midst of a famine. Verse 12, Isaac planted crops in that land and in the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Not because the water was right. Not because the soil was good. The commentary here is not because Isaac did something. It's not because the famine was over. It's not because situations change. It's because he obeyed the Lord. What would the Lord be telling you to do right now? 
What would the Lord be telling you to do right now? Oh, my word. This is, this is why when we tune into the Lord, we're going to be developing this muscle of endurance. You're not going to live by bread alone. You're going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's part of why this communion is powerful. That's why, that's why your devotions are powerful. That's why shifting and changing things a little bit, it's powerful. It's important because you're not going to live by bread alone. You're going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When there's a famine, when there's difficulty, when there's trial, oh, this is right up God's alley. This is right up God's alley. God's got you, but will you have God? This is the moment to be attuned. And so he planted, and that year reaped 100-fold, verse 12, because the Lord blessed him, and the man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the, dug in the time of his father, the Philistines had stopped up, filling them with earth. Now, you know, the story goes on. He even begins to dig, uh, uh, dig up those wells. And then there was contention over the wells, and they, they wanted to fight him over the wells. And he's like, okay, you know, turn that one loose, all right. Well, you can. Eventually, he just continues to, to release things instead of fight, instead of, uh, like, uh, you know, make a big squabble about things. He, he releases things that they fight him over because God's blessing him until finally there's a breakthrough, and God sets him apart and makes provision for him. Makes provision for him. How about Genesis 47? See, this is biblical. This is, you're thinking, man, this is, this is terrible stuff going on right now. Uh, God's used to this kind of stuff. This is actually the kind of stuff that he's carved the greatest men and women of faith out of. He has carved, he has sculpted, he has perfected, he has developed the greatest men and women of faith. What about Jacob and what about Joseph? Joseph is a picture of the bride. He's a picture of the body of Christ. He's the one called the loved or the beloved son, the royal son. He's the one given the royal robe, the coat of many colors. Joseph is the one set apart and loved by his father Jacob, sold by his brothers. He goes down to Egypt as a slave, then he ends up in prison. You know the story. He's redeemed. He's delivered out of prison by a dream interpretation. And the Pharaoh makes him the Lord of the land. Well, God had something in mind. There was a famine coming. And I, I wonder about stuff like this. It's like, well, why didn't, why, why didn't God just stop the famine? Why, why in the world, you know... Isn't it interesting how God will use things that have been set in order, and then he doesn't even tell us necessarily why the famine was coming, but God will use things that are happening, things that are developing the earth. Maybe the famine was coming because those walking in rebellion and disobedience were causing troubles in the earth that couldn't be solved because the earth was up in upheaval and given over to the curse. And so the famine comes. But there's Joseph. Joseph is there with the word of the Lord, and Joseph becomes the protection for Jacob and all the brothers that were sold into slavery. 
uh, that sold him into slavery. And that, that makes me think right there even that, you know, as God blesses you and sets you apart, uh, don't be embittered against those that have been your enemies. Don't be embittered against those who sold you. Don't be embittered against those who've treated you negatively. As God helps you, as God preserves you, as God blesses you. This is Genesis 47. Joseph went and told the Pharaoh, My brother, my father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. And he chose five of his brothers and presented them before the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh asked the brothers, what's your occupation? And he said, your servants are shepherds. And they replied that to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. And they said, we've come here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So please let your servants settle in Goshen. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if any of you know any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my livestock. This is, this is how God, this is how God, not only did God use Joseph to preserve his lineage and the called out and the covenant ones, and, but, but also he brought them in and put them in the best of the land. And so they came and they lived. It's declared that Goshen was like the land of Eden. Let's believe that God has us covered. Let's believe that God has us covered. Let's abide in the word. Let's listen like never before. Let's see what God would do with us. James chapter 2, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith, pressure on your faith, resistance against your faith, trouble in life, it produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Verse 12, it goes on, James chapter 1, verse 12, blessed is the one, the man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I want you to get over to Romans chapter 12, thinking of endurance, thinking of persevering under trial. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. And through 13, I'm going to read this out of the New American Standard. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer and contributing to the needs of the saints practicing hospitality. Persevering in tribulation, church, you can persevere. You have an assurity in God. You have a strong tower to run into and to be safe. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him, with what? 
with the muscle of faith. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are also in the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You know what God's doing right now? God is setting you apart. God is right now, as you stand firm in your faith, confirming, strengthening, perfecting, establishing you. You are a set-apart one. Father, we thank you right now that we are your set-apart kids. We thank you right now that we are your set-apart kids. We're going to close this morning in a worship environment. And as we do, I invite you to worship. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. I'm going to pray and declare not only that you are that persevering, enduring, strong believer, but I'm going to declare that this is your season to draw near to Father like never before. He is literally serving the word from above. And as it was with Isaac, as it was with Joseph, as it was with Peter, as it was with Paul, the word of the Lord is near you. The word of the Lord is near you. And he's inviting us as believers that we would just cherish a romance with him like never before. Maybe we, too, could take advantage of the closing of restaurants, the closing of concerts and venues. Oh, not that we wanted this, not that we relish it, but maybe we could leverage it to draw near to Father. Maybe we could leverage it to come near to Him and to hear what He's saying, to hearken to His voice and to keep our eyes on Him, our eyes fixed on Him. Instead of fixed on the storm, instead of paying attention, instead of listening to the howling wind, instead of watching what everything is going on around us and how things are perishing and and there's trouble on every side, maybe this is a moment for us to fix our gaze on him, to develop the muscle of faith in a stronger way than we've ever developed the muscle of faith. No more a faith blowout. No more a tearing of a faith muscle. No more just a burst of faith. But we are developing into those that can endure storms. Those that can endure storms can move mountains. Those that can endure storms can change nations. Those that can endure storms can see the whole globe shifted. You see, it's not just about us, but God wants to advance the kingdom through us. And so we're yielding to him. We're believing with him. We're trusting him. Second Peter chapter 1 says that we partake of the divine nature through the promises of God. Oh, at our house, we've been looking at the promises of God. We've been looking at Psalm 91. We've been looking at Psalm chapter 3. We've been, we've been going through the Psalms in a new way. In a new way, the Psalms have relevance. 
And I invite you, I invite you, have evening communion. We're doing it. Every evening we're having communion. We're praying together. We're praying over you. We're praying over the nation. We're praying for our neighbors. We're praying for the nations. Oh, Father, save Iran. Father, save China. Father, save the nations. We're declaring it. I want to pray over you this morning. Would you put your hand on your heart as you're just watching this morning? Father, we come to you believing that our faith will endure. We are not those with a short burst of faith. We're not those easily questioning, do you love us? Are you real? Are you helping us? We're not bringing to you even frustration over small things. We know you're working. We know you're working. We trust you're working. We trust if we have to walk 300 feet to the grocery store, you're working. And we trust that you're in the midst right now of subduing, subduing sickness and disease, subduing the work of the enemy, subduing the lies of the enemy, subduing the work of the curse in the earth. We trust that. And Lord, I declare right now over every person watching a freshness in you, a tenderness in you, a yearning for you, focusing their eyes on you, shifting their gaze on Jesus, and listening to the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord as he bids us, as he bids us in the word to continue to walk where we shouldn't walk, to walk on water, to walk on that which seems like it shouldn't sustain us, to follow you in whatever you call us to do and to bear fruit in this season. We thank you for it. We bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Let's worship this morning.